have to speak. <laughs> Actually, I have to pray. Okay, is that better? Yeah. All right. We're really going to have to do this more often. <laughs> well, let me go back over that. We're excited this morning always to start up our worship service with baptism. We don't get to do it as often here at First Baptist Church, Sun City West, but uh, we pray that God will continue to bring people uh, to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And this morning, we look forward to baptizing Bob Whelan. Bob uh, made his decision for Christ public this past Sunday. And this morning, he comes to follow through with believer's baptism.
Well, Bob, it's, uh, it's an exciting time to follow through with the very first act of obedience after a person has given their life to Christ. Baptism is a symbol of what Christ has done in your life. And uh, you're asking Christ to come into your life and take your sins away. And uh, he does what he promises to do and gives you life everlasting. And this morning, without saying a word, you're preaching your very first message to all these folks about Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection, showing your uh, life and your burial with him and being raised to walk in a newness of life. So in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him as Savior and Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We will continue our time of worship. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus keeps me singing. Let's sing together. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and i 
and sing it again. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives and for the uh, privilege we have to come and freely worship you. We pray that we will be a light to our community, showing the love of Jesus, and, and please be with those who are in need of your healing. Uh, we are very thankful for Bob Whelan's baptism today, we, uh, and we pray that uh, uh, his faith through the testimony of baptism will, uh, will, will touch all of our hearts. We also pray that the message today will also touch our hearts and encourage us to reach out to our friends and relatives and, and uh, neighbors. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. An old, old hymn written many years ago by John Peterson. No one understands like Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to participate and to sympathize with our weaknesses. Let's sing together that old hymn. Stands like Jesus, he's a friend beyond compare. Meet him at the throne of mercy, he is waiting for you there. No one understands like Jesus when the days are dark and Stands like Jesus 
in quietness and trust when the oceans rise and thunders roar I will serve with you Our scripture reading for today comes from two chapters of Hebrews. First is chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, and the second is chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. From Hebrews 2, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered... When he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. From Hebrews 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we, are, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We rejoice in the sharing of these verses, for these are the words of the Lord.
Would you pray with me? Father, we are blessed beyond measure because you do watch over us. I want to thank you for Ruthie, her ministry to us, us this morning. The signing, the words, and Father, they obviously speak to our heart. And I pray that as you lifted the writer of Hebrews up and communicated what you once said, that Father, your spirit would speak to us about the trials and the tribulations of life. And when all else fails, we trust you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have a, a handicap of some kind, a medical condition or a life-disturbing problem, you probably can find a support group, a group of victims of that problem to help you to cope and to encourage you. In life's crises, it is important that we find individuals that we can identify who understands because they have the same experience. A couple of weeks ago or so, I told you about my three friends, Mike Tincher, Michael Block. Michael Tincher had, uh, had uh, surgery a few weeks ago and, and doing much better. Michael Block and I, we spoke for about 30 minutes or so this week. We have something to identify with, something in common. Well, we're both pastors. But who knew back in uh, that first day when we met at college that this really skinny guy, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about Michael Block, <laughs> that years later we would be able to connect on a totally different level. In, uh, I had always had the kidney issue from age 18 on. Michael Block was his pitcher of health, played basketball in, uh, in high school, was athletic, um, smart guy. But in 1994, for some unknown reason, his kidneys just failed. They, they still don't know what happened. He was on his way in, uh, in Missouri from moving from one church to another when everything just collapsed. Obviously, years later, after my kidneys had failed, it was very helpful for me to be able to talk to Michael. This had happened to him 23 years, uh, 20, well, about 19 years before my kidneys failed, and be able to sit down and to have conversations with him to say, well, what did you do in this instance? What, what process did you go through? When he went through his transplant, I was able, and I went through mine years later, I was able to sit down and say, okay, tell me about how you felt with this. All, all those details that just opened up a great conversation. Why was that? Because we had the same type of experiences we could understand each other. 
The letter to the Hebrews repeatedly stresses Jesus' identification, how he identifies with us, and his sympathy, his empathy with us in our challenging times. He cannot identify with us in our sin. Sin is foreign to him. He never had personal experience with sin. But he had the most extensive and intensive challenges of temptation and trials of anyone ever. <coughs> so out of that, he not only sympathizes with us, but makes successful provision for us in our times of trial. What I find in these verses that I've selected in this first of a series of messages on highlights in Hebrews is that Jesus identifies with us when the trials of life come, and they do for everyone. He can identify with us. You've probably experienced people who, when you go through a crisis, whatever it might be, will come beside you and well-meaning say, man, I understand, how you, I understand what you're going through. Well, the reality is that rarely do they really understand what you're going through. They're trying to help. But you see, each situation is different. Each circumstance is different. What you're going through and what you experience is different, even though it might be somewhat similar. But the one who does understand is Jesus. He identifies with us in the situation of life. As we're living life, he himself lived life. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17 said, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. For Christ to do his work, it was necessary that he identify with us in every way. And that's what the scripture says. Made like them fully human in every way. He could not have been the sacrifice for sin or an encouragement in the midst of our trials and tribulations and temptations without such an identity in every way. So he identified with the totality of human condition. He knows every situation in life that's going to possibly sidetrack us or weigh us down or wear us out through the process of living. This includes the toils of life, the perils of life, disappointments, the broken relationships, and the conflicts of life. He took on flesh and blood. He became a carpenter. We find that he was rejected by his own people. He faced misunderstandings from his family. In all of this, everything that he went through, he shared the necessity of our own situation. Because we have worked hard over the years. There have been those who have rejected us inside the church and outside the church. We have had misunderstandings with family. 
I mean, he understands the process of what happens in life. He also identifies with us in the trials and temptations of human life. Here, I think the emphasis might be the duration. In chapter 2, verse 18, he says, He himself suffered when he was tempted. He suffered when he was tempted. Sometimes we forget that term suffered, and we focus on tempted. You see, he faced the temptations that we all face. He suffered through them. And in addition, he faced the trials and the temptations directly related to his role as the savior of the world. So it's not just what we have gone through, but there's this additional layer. He was tempted directly by Satan. He was tempted by the circumstances that surrounded him in life by the hardness of the Jews and the slowness of his disciples, his own disciples. All of these we find it was necessary so he could identify with us. He also identified in the totality of the human condition Verse 17, you go back to that, he says he identifies with us in every way. In chapter 4, verse 15, he talks about that again. In, in every way, he was tempted. He knows every situation in life. He understands how difficult it might be. But we find that there's a great exception in his trial and his temptation. In verse 15 of chapter 4, he says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet with not, without sin. And that means more than the fact that just he did not sin. He was sinless. He did not sin. That is a fact of life. But it also means that, that there was nothing in him that sin could touch. His sinless nature found nothing that corresponded or responded to the temptation. Some of our worst trials and tribulations come from previous sins. And yet because of us, he felt the full force of every temptation. Hence an understanding of what it says. He was tempted in every way. He himself suffered when he was tempted. You see, he identifies with us. He sympathizes with us. He understands what we go through in life. And so, that identification is important and a principle that I think out of this early passage in Hebrews is meaningful to us. Secondly, we find that Jesus shows compassion for us when we deal with the trials and temptations of our lives. The compassion is vital to have a compassionate heart. And where did it come from? Well, his compassion comes from his identity. You can go back to verse 17 again, that he is merciful and faithful as a high priest. The word priest suggests someone who is a bridge builder. And so he is God's great bridge builder, even in the midst of the most challenging trials that we face. He is the one that will bridge the gap. As God's great bridge builder, we find that he's merciful. 
That's what the writer's saying. He is a merciful as a high priest. So he has compassion for us no matter what. Over the years, I've heard some people say, you know what, I'm just too bad for him to show mercy to. And that is Satan's quiet speaking to our mind. Because the scripture is clear. Nobody is too bad to get his mercy and his grace. And no one is too good to be with him without it. You see, what we find in this passage of Scripture is that there were some of the priests who were cruel, who were insolent, who were greedy. But the writer says, our great high priest identifies with the needs of each sinful person. So no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he identifies with you. He connects with you. He cares about you with this amazing mercy that as finite human beings, we have a hard time understanding. In addition, he is also faithful. We can trust him to do what he promises to do. He said he'll do this, this is what he promises to do. We also find that he's loyal. He's loyal to God and he's loyal to us. So anywhere in scripture where Jesus says, this is what I'm going to do or this is who I am with you, you can take it to the bank. You can guarantee, you can stake your life on it, which is what we have to do. As we accept Christ, as we begin living for Christ, there are times along the line that says, man, I, I don't know if I can do this or not. We have to go back as believers and say, well, here's what God promised. Here's what he's called me to do. Therefore, I can do this. Even though if myself, I, don't, I know I can't myself. But listen, we do not have a high priest who is unable to, to empathize with our weaknesses. So his compassion comes from his identity, his compassion comes from his sympathy, his empathy for us. We should never think that because Christ is at the right hand of God that he is not able to reach down into our lives today. He consistently is here for us. He has habitual sympathy for us. And this is more than compassion for our sufferings from others. This is a feeling of one who enters suffering and makes it his own. It's personal to him. When you go through your trials and tribulations and you call upon him, it is personal for him. He senses that. He feels that. He has that empathy for that. I like that. <coughs> I like that he comes with us in the midst of our most difficult trials. And it's not really a feeling for us, it's a feeling with us. When we are feeling it, he is feeling it, and he's there to encourage us and lift us up through those most difficult times. He feels our weakness. He was acquainted with weakness himself. He was acquainted with disappointment. He was acquainted with desertion. He was 
acquainted with pain. He understands it. And when we go through those things, he is with us in the midst of that. Not just as somebody, a co-pilot riding along, but he feels it with us. His sympathy is not that of a remote observer, but he is feeling and he is an engaged participant in those greatest trials and tribulations and difficulties in life. So he understands our trials, but we must trust him and his compassion. Meaning when we're going through them, we just, we need to let him in. We need to, to trust him to provide for us. His identity is there. His compassion is there. We need to let him minister to us when we're in our darkest times. And that leads us to the third thing this passage tells us, that Jesus provides for us when the trials of life come. And we should accept his provision. Verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is not just somebody from the outside coming in to help us. He, he does it from the inside. In the midst of the battle that we're going through and the difficulties we're going through, he is there. And he is the one who will help us in those days. While there will always be continual temptation, there will always be continual help from him. And he can give actual and immediate help at the right time. When you need it. When you trust him. When you call upon him. No matter what it is that you're going through. So we should accept his provision. We also find that his provision relates to our access to him. In Hebrews 4.16, the scripture says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The moment the trials come, there is an invitation that you get. He reaches out. When the trial and the difficulty comes, no matter what it is, or the temptation comes our way, the invitation is to draw near to God's throne. The quality of this approach is one of confidence. Not one of arrogance. It's one of confidence. He's saying, because I know everything that you are going through, I've experienced it myself. I am with you if you'll just trust me. My compassion, my grace will be there for you. So my invitation is for you to come to the throne of grace. I have provision for you. Come with confidence because he promises. And if he promises, we should have the confidence to accept his promise because he never fails on his commitment. We can come to him open face, with freedom, with frankness, 
without concealment. We can come to him with transparency no matter where we find ourselves. Because unlike others, when we come to him, he does not judge us. But with his mercy, his unconditional love, he has his arms open wide and accepts us and brings us in and helps us in our time of difficulty. The destination of the approach, well, it's the throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment or probation or a, a throne of law. It is a throne of grace, unmerited favor, something we don't earn. It is all grace or it's not grace at all. There are no degrees of acceptability before God. He says, approach the throne of grace. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, you come to him. The invitation is there. The invitation to help you and provide for you. The immediacy of this approach, well, the scripture says to it, with the grace to help us in our time of need. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, you are always going to have a need. There's going to be times in your life you think, man, I, this year has been just crazy. <laughs> this last month has been terrible. This episode I'm having is awful. Well, this temptation is overwhelming. He says it's always going to be there. But he also says, listen, I have at the throne of grace grace to help you in your time of need grace unmerited favor in our time of need in the darkness the shadows the times the temptation have overcome us or we think that satan and his demons are just overwhelming us he says i am there for you and they cannot touch you Oh, you still may go through your trials and tribulations, but he is there to empower you, just like he went through them himself, even to the point of death on the cross. As the song goes, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he went through that to bring salvation and intimacy with God and make it available to us. Listen, help is of no value if it's not on time. The hardest words are, we're too late. It will do little good to have strength for tomorrow for the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties you have today. And so he says, I will be with you. The invitation is there in your day of trouble, your time of trouble. You Ask him and come to the throne of grace right then with confidence that he promises to walk you through this. <coughs> he gives us provision no matter what we go through. Yesterday there was a funeral in Palaka, Florida, where Deb and I served for some eight years. There was about a thousand people at that funeral. It was a funeral for a 16-year-old by the name of Bailey Holbrook. 
she and her dad uh, on September 26th had been out hunting and a lightning strike hit a tree and they were there at the wrong moment and they both were hit when her dad Matthew woke up he saw that she was laying down unconscious and not breathing and so he started CPR and they were out in the woods. It took a while for the EMTs to get there, but they got there. They finally got her to Shan's uh, Trauma Center in Gainesville, Florida. And there was um, prayer vigils all through that community for the 16-year-old. <laughs> well, she never regained consciousness. She passed. She became an organ donor of I don't know how many organs they were able to harvest and save lives and give sight and etc. But why was there such an outpour? Well, Bailey was a charismatic girl. She was well known, well liked. She was a cheerleader. She was very involved in her youth group at, at Trinity Baptist Church. She always had compassion for everybody that she met. She was just one of these approachable uh, young people that loved to share about Jesus, loved to tell her friends and whoever. Everybody knew that she was a believer. And her uh, death shocked, obviously, that, that community, which is a pretty close-knit community. A week ago today, Trinity Baptist Church had their service in the Palaka High School Gymnasium. And the person who spoke was Bailey's dad, Matthew. Five days after his daughter's passing. And he stood up there in his first sermon ever, knowing the grief that he's going through and much more ahead. There were 1,500 people in that gymnasium. And he shared about Jesus. He shared about God's provision for their family, even in this early time of loss. But he said, I, you're here today because Bailey touched your life in some way. There's been over a hundred teenagers and young adults who have given their life to Christ in these last 10 days. So much so that uh, the local Walmart ran out of Bibles. <laughs> there's, there's a movement right now through this tragic loss. But a 16-year-old who lived a life that honored God. I still have a lot of friends there and, and watching all the different Facebook posts and uh, the communications. There have been people that are Christians but hadn't been to church for a good while. They have been reevaluating themselves and rededicating themselves. God that works in that way. What I admire most is Matthew Holbrook depending completely on the provision of the high priest named Jesus Christ. 
who went through everything that we've gone through and everything, as Matthew said, that we're going through. And he is the one who is sustaining us. And might I say, using them to bring a spark of revival to a community that desperately needs it. Friends, no matter what your trial is, you trust Jesus. His help is timely. It's available now. I would ask you to, to boldly go before God in, with the trials that you have in life and the tribulations that you have and ask now and find the help that he will offer you, the provision that he will give to you right now. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just ask that you will simply continue to speak to us. Help us to trust you in the darkest times of life. When we could curse, when we could walk away, when we could be angry. But God, no matter what we go through, no matter what trial, let the first thing we do is to accept your invitation to come and provide for us with your grace and your mercy in our time of need. And today, help us clear anything out of our minds and hearts that would prohibit us from coming to you first. And help us to grow in you, Father. So whatever decisions are to be made this morning, either privately or publicly, in rededication or giving a life to Christ or joining this church or whatever decision, God, I pray it'll be genuine knowing that you're going to take care of us and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our invitation.
flowers on the altar table today are provided by Sharon Kukuk in loving memory of her husband Don. Thank you Sharon. We've been praying for you and we will continue to. There are a number of sign-up sheets again in both lobbies. On Thursday at 10 o'clock the women's Bible study taught by Bev Finley on the book of Amos will begin. There's a sign-up sheet for you ladies. And also, if you would like to purchase a book, it is not required, but if you would like to purchase a book, those will be available after worship in the small lobby. And also at 10 on Thursday, the men's Bible study taught by Dr. Kennedy on Elisha. So I hope, men and women, that you will avail yourself of those wonderful opportunities. Also, on Wednesday the 18th, there's to be a men's luncheon, hamburgers and hot dogs, and just a fun time for you to bring card games, board games, and enjoy fellowship after you eat the meal. There's also a sign up for the movie, which will be on the 26th on Thursday. So a number of things upcoming throughout the month of October. Next Sunday at five o'clock in the CLC, a chili and cornbread cook-off, a competition between our Bible study classes. And you will have opportunity to taste all of them and there will be a winner we haven't chosen judges but we will but i hope that you will plan to be a part of that because there will be a state of the church presentation along with hearing from you as to what you think should be our priorities for the next couple of years as we look toward vision 2025 completion dr kennedy Hey, Bob, I have a certificate of baptism for you. And we always like to publicly give this after on the day of baptism because it's very special. You can do whatever you want with this because it's a piece of paper that acknowledges we saw the beautiful act and, uh, and the Lord saw you're giving your life to him just recently. Uh, certificate of baptism for Bob Whelan was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on this day at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Sun City West Arizona all right <laughs> and once you come and stand here and Elsie why don't you come stand with her if you will this is Ann Jennings and Ann comes today uh, she has given her life to Christ she's been biblically baptized and says you know what God has been speaking with me and today he told me he said you need to 
to go and join this church, I think is what you said, right? I felt compelled. Compelled. <laughs> we are so excited, and to have you. And uh, you've been engaged in a number of our activities, uh, from experiencing God through our services and all. And we look forward to what God is going to use you to do uh, in this body of Christ as we continue to serve him faithfully. All in favor of accepting Anne, if you'd show that by the sign I, please. Aye. You are against that, the sign no. All right, in just a moment, our folks are going to come and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship, meaning welcome to the family. And we are be praying with you and working beside you in these days ahead. And Anne, we look forward to that, okay? All right. If you would, let's stand and uh, we have a closing prayer. Doyle Miller will lead us in our closing prayer. Our Father, we come before you this morning to honor and to glorify your most holy name. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us, that you've poured out upon this country. We thank you for being able to come together to worship freely and to praise your name. Father, we just thank you for these souls who came today and who were baptized today. We lift them up to you and ask that you strengthen them and guide them in all that they do. And Father, we lift up those folks that are in your promised land. We know that you have your hand on them and we just pray for their safety. And we bring all this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.